0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, August twenty 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka's COVID alert level remains at medium for the second week in a row after several weeks in high alert. That's according to data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention published on Thursday. On Wednesday, the Alaska Department of Health reported Sitka's weekly COVID case count at 26. The city's new positive cases include 22 residents and four non-residents. Without any new hospitalizations, the community COVID level remains at medium. Alaska reported just under 1,700 positive cases between August 16th. 16th and August 23rd, an 18% increase statewide from last week. It's been a big year for local Clinkett artist Jennifer Younger, and now it's gotten bigger and greener. Last winter, the carver and engraver created a t-shirt design for Ginu, an indigenous-owned denim company based in Portland, Oregon. Younger was showcasing her formline jewelry during London Fashion Week in February when she got word from Ginu that Disney had come calling.
1: While I was in London, I received an email from GANU saying, hey, like there's a possibility they want to use some of our shirts in this new show. Of course, uh, you know, they asked for my permission and I was very excited about that.
0: She said yes, but she didn't hear anything after that for several months. Then last weekend, she was in the Southwest for the 100th annual Santa Fe Indian Market. Again, her work was on the runway in collaboration with designer Ursula Hudson and her phone started buzzing.
1: Fast forward to Santa Fe and I'm there and I get someone tagged me in a post on Facebook, like, you know, show of the Hulk wearing the shirt. and I was like, oh, my so gosh. the Hulk's.
0: Stretched across Bruce Banner's CGI'd chest is her design, a formline raven, which Younger, who is of the eagle moiety, says she's drawn to in her designs. The shirt was featured in the show She-Hulk Attorney at Law on Disney's streaming service, Disney+. Younger joined KCAW for the morning interview with Peter Apathy on Wednesday. You can listen to the full conversation on our website at kcaw.org. School districts around the state are facing teacher shortages as the academic year begins. Last year, several districts hired teachers from the Philippines to fill staffing gaps, but that visa program has a five year limit. On talk of Alaska on Tuesday, Bering Strait School District Administrator Susan Nedza said that makes it a temporary
1: fix. We had 21 Filipino teachers come all at once last year, and so at their five year mark, we know we're going to have 21 openings.
0: Lisa Parity is the executive director of the Alaska Council of School Administrators. She said both rural and urban districts are feeling the impacts of a nationwide teacher shortage.
2: We're very reliant on recruiting from the lower 48. And um, at this point, where we've lost so much competitiveness, uh, a lot of those educators uh, don't feel the need to leave their state. They can get jobs anywhere.
0: Parody said increasing the base student allocation, the amount of money per student a district receives from the state, could help all districts. It hasn't increased since 2017.
2: We have been flat-funded in public education for a, a long period of time, and we know that flat-funding um, does not account for inflation. We're at a 40-year high for inflation, and so that results in a cut every year that we're flat-funded,
0: According to the National Center for Education Statistics, 44% of public schools in the U.S. currently report teaching vacancies. A two-year process that was stalling cleanup efforts at a mine upstream of southeast Alaska has come to a close, as Coastal Alaska's Angela Denning reports that could speed up remediation of the Tulsaqua Chief Mine.
2: The Tulsaqua Chief Mine is in Canada, about 20 miles from the Alaska border near Juneau. It extracted zinc, copper, and lead in the 1950s, and ever since, rusty acidic runoff from the mine's tunnels and leftover waste rock has been flowing into a tributary of the Taku River, a major salmon-producing waterway. For 65 years, it's been leaking acid mine drainage pretty much unabated into into the watershed. Guy Archibald is the executive director of the Southeast Alaska Indigenous Transboundary Commission. The group represents 15 tribes in the region concerned with toxic waste from Canada's mines. The British Columbia government has said it's committed to cleanup efforts, but in recent years, the process has been held up in court. In 2016, a company that had hoped to get the mine going again, Chieftain Metals, filed for bankruptcy and was put into receivership. That means a third-party firm, West Face Capital, was managing the mine's assets, hoping to recoup nearly $50 million of investments in the project. Eventually, a Canadian court gave the investors a two-year deadline to ask for an extension on the receivership, and that ended August 11th. Archibald says it's a big step towards getting the mine cleaned up. This is a long time coming, and I'm glad to see it. Westface Capital did not return a request for comment. Though B.C.'s mining ministry released a 113-page remediation plan and says it's performed some interim reclamation work the last three summers, environmental groups say the end of receivership will allow the B.C. government to take responsibility for the site and start a more substantial cleanup process. The government has been criticized for downplaying its environmental impact.
3: I think B.C. You know, sees this as a black mark and they definitely want to get rid of it and prove that they can do the job right here.
2: Chris Zimmer is with Rivers Without Borders, an environmental watchdog group in Juneau that follows transboundary mining activity. He says B.C. can now move forward with cleanup.
3: The B.C. government for a couple years has been saying that this bankruptcy receivership process has hindered them, has tied their hands, has limited their abilities to uh, actually get in there and physically clean up the mine and shut it down.
2: There are still a few steps before that can happen. Chieftain metals must dissolve. An official with B.C.'s mine division says that's expected to happen this fall. Zimmer says there is a long road ahead for remediation.
3: It's going to take a bit of time, certainly, to get the cleanup together and uh, deal with the engineering challenges. So we're hoping to see B.C. right away start firming up its plans, creating budgets, and hopefully becoming a bit more transparent with us here in Alaska so we know what's going on.
2: The B.C. Ministry of Mines did not respond to requests for comment. Although Tulsaqua Chief mine is small compared to other transboundary mines in Southeast, and many that are proposed for development, Archibald says all eyes are on it.
3: It's kind of the poster child for, you know,
2: bad Canadian mining practices. He says it could set a precedent for how the government deals with the industry. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning.
0: Ketchikan and Metlakatla both received federal money to get electric buses on the road. In Metlakatla, the bus will run to the ferry terminal 14 miles out of town, a first for the community. In Ketchikan, three electric buses could be on the road by 2024. KRBD's Regan Miller reports.
1: Gas was 5.55 a gallon last time Keolani Booth checked, and that's an improvement. With prices like that, he says it's getting even harder to make the 28-mile round trip to Metlakatla's ferry terminal.
3: I know it's a hardship. For uh, we got 14 miles of road out here, and there's a lot of people that are on foot that don't have cars.
1: He says a $400,000 federal Transit Administration grant for the purchase of an electric bus could change that. Booth sits on Metlakatla's governing tribal council and is the board chair of the local power utility. He says there's never been a bus dedicated to running to the terminal. Many people either have to walk or ask for rides. Booth says the bus will be virtually free.
3: You know we have a lot of people that are on a fixed income of. Um, Big portion of the community's elderly, uh, so we take all those things. We consider all of that uh, and try to fit within those people's uh, fit within those people's budgets.
1: Metlakatla Mayor Albert Smith says he isn't quite sure when the buses are due to arrive. Metlakatla Indian Community is still in the process of claiming the grant money,
3: but we're we're excited and we're getting ready for it.
1: Two ferries come to Metlakatla each day. In between trips to the terminal, Booth says the bus will help the community's elders get around. And in Ketchikan, a $4.2 million grant will put three electric buses on the road. Transit Director Kyan Reeve says they'll probably hit the streets in late 2024. The new buses will come from the same manufacturer as the borough's current diesel buses. Reeve says that could prevent a lot of problems, similar to those reported when Juno's buses switched to electric. But what they did is introduced... A bus, a, a bus that was built from the ground up that was very new um, that didn't use any of the same
2: parts as their current fleet and, and also didn't have a track record. So that, that was a very young bus company um, that, that developed their bus and so the issues weren't all with the drive systems, the battery systems, those type of things. A lot of the issues were just simple bus
1: issues. Ketchikan's buses are from the manufacturer Gillig. The Transit Department's manager, Stephanie Bouchon, says that 80% of the parts in the new buses are identical to current buses. She says that will be a cost-saver even for simple repairs like windshield wipers. She says the grant also covers the charging equipment for the buses. We're going to have to upgrade transformers. Um, There's there's a bunch of work that will need to be done in that realm. Reeve says that the buses' batteries have twice as much power as other electric buses. He thinks they'll do best on Ketchikan's urban and hilly routes. Neither Ketchikan or Metlakatla have yet placed orders for the new buses. In Ketchikan, a little more work has to be done to determine that the buses are the right choice for Ketchikan. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Regan Miller.
0: I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now, taking a look at the weather for today, Friday, August 26, 2022. Today, mostly cloudy, scattered rain showers in the morning, rain likely in the afternoon, highs in the upper 50s, southwest winds around 10 miles per hour. Tonight, rain, lows in the lower 50s, southwest winds around 10 miles per hour. And now peeking forward to the weekend, for Saturday, rain, rain heavy at times, highs in the upper 50s, south winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Good morning.